All right, John chapter 14, verse one to six says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Verse seven, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If we look what the court called the pretext, let's just go there, Luke, or same, the same, John chapter 13, verse 36, is just giving context to what we've read. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Then he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And so the context of John chapter 14 is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He's about to go and drink the cup of his suffering. He's about to go to the cross. And I love how he brings in another angle of the purpose of the cross. If we had to take a consensus of why Jesus went to the cross, we would all agree that he went to the cross to cleanse us from our sins, to, to cleanse us from unrighteousness, to break the power of sin. We know that he went to the cross to, for our healing. And we know that very well, Isaiah said that by his stripes we are healed, we would all agree with that. We know that he went to the cross, that we would, John 10, that we would have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. And so we know Jesus went to the cross for these things, but here in John 14, he brings a different perspective. He brings a different angle. He says, I'm going to the cross, but the cross isn't the final destination. The cross is the open door to the Father. And he says, through the cross, you will find the Father. And so they ask him, where, where are you going? How do we know the way? He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. When you believe in the cross, when you accept and receive the cross, when you receive what I've done for you in this crucifixion, we sang it tonight, the, the bleeding, the brokenness. When we do that, we will find the Father. And so, Jesus, throughout the Gospels, emphasizes relationship with the Father. And so even here in John chapter 14, in verse one, it says this, in God's, let your heart not be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. It says, in my Father's house are many rooms. That's what he's talking about. It's not like God has a big hotel with lots of different rooms. You know, and you get room 1,075, you get room, 
you know, you get, as you go to heaven, you get the keys to your hotel room. That's not what he's saying. That word house actually means household or family. And that word room is the same word abide in John chapter 15. And so he's saying, in my father's household, in my father's family, there's a place for you. There's an abiding place for you. That word to abide means to maintain unbroken fellowship. There's a place of relationship in the Father's family for you through the crucifixion, through the cross that I'm about to go through. And so Jesus' heart displays the heart of the Father that we see from Old Testament to New Testament is that it's a father who wants his children. That's the gospel. We, we complicate it, we make it about things and all this and this and this, but at the, at the core, the core issue of it, the core root of the gospel, the core root of Jesus' purpose coming to the earth to die on the cross is to reconcile us to the Father, to bring us into relationship with the Father. In John chapter one, verse 12 to 13, says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I read it again. But to all who did receive him, that word receive means to all who did believe in the finished work, to believe in what Jesus did. I believe in his crucifixion. That is what, what born again is, that what salvation is. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, when we do that, we have this amazing privilege. The moment you are born again, the father opens up the family. He opens up the household to you. The moment you are born again, you are you are drawn into relationship with God. And here's the thing, prior to that decision, you're not. It's a scary, scary, scary thought. See, God's, God's desire was always that man would be his child. I, I, I love, we'll go to, in Genesis 1, there's this little, in, in Scripture, there's this little things that we have to catch. You know, it's just like little phrases, a little sentence, a little comparison, but they bring such clarity and such wholeness to what God is saying. And so we know in Genesis chapter one, when he created man, verse 26, he said this, then, then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And so we can read that and he says, okay, he's making mankind. He's making mankind in my likeness. He's making mankind in my image. And it, and it seems almost like, you know, them and me. There's a, it's just another being on the earth. But if you go to Genesis chapter five, in verse three, this is now talking about Adam. And Adam having children. And it says this in verse three in chapter Genesis verse five, says when, listen to the same words. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son 
in his own likeness and after his own image. And so we take that and we put it on Genesis chapter one, verse 26, and we see what the father was doing. To be of your own kind and of your own likeness means to come from you. When you look at Tehillah, she looks like Stephen and she looks like Anita together. She's made in their likeness. She's made in the image. You two, especially with your mom and your dad. <laughs> I don't know what happened with my children. They're just like, I don't think they look like me, but anyway, they're of me. And so when we come forth from our parents, we're made in their likeness. We're made in their image. And so it's no different with the father. When he made Adam, he didn't just make them. They came forth from him. They were of his kind. They were his children. And we know the story. We know what happened. The enemy came and he came to deceive. And basically what happened in that moment is he kidnapped God's children. And so from that point, people grew... it's crazy, if you ever read those things, or like you see it in the news, babies that are kidnapped in the hospital, they grow up thinking that the kidnapper's their real parent. And then like at the age of 20 or 21, you know, it's like crazy stories. They like become, I've read one like it, they go to the same school as their real sister. They become best friends with their real sister and then now this girl goes over to this, sister, to this girl's house who's actually real. She goes to her house to play and the parents are like, wait, this is too weird. Something's not right here. And they do this investigation. This is a real story. And they find out that this girl whom their child has befriended was actually their child that was kidnapped. But this little girl grew up thinking that her kidnapper is her mom. And so that's what Satan did. He, he kidnapped man. And we began to follow him. Man became children of the devil. And that sounds extreme, but it's in the Bible. I'll read it in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. Says this, so he draws a comparison between the saved and the unsaved. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. And so mankind grows up thinking that their kidnapper is their father. And so what Jesus did, what, what Jesus' mission was, was to redeem the children back to their, their true father. And that's what happened to each one of us, I hope. Each one of us that are sitting here tonight is we've realized who we are in Christ, that we don't belong to the devil. We don't belong to the world. We are made in the likeness and the image of our father in heaven. And when we accepted Christ, our eyes were opened and we said, whoa, that identity isn't who I am. And we, we, we take on this new identity. We take on this new image, this new likeness in Christ as we, we find ourselves being accepted into the household, being accepted into the family of God. 
and we know that we are children of God. And so tonight, I can read these scriptures, I can say all of that. But does your relationship with God reflect that? At the, at, at, if, you, if you dig deep at the, at the core of your heart, when you, when you think about your relationship with God, Is it primarily as he's your provider? Or he's my healer? He's my access to wealth? He's my access to increase? He's my access to more anointing? Or is he your father? He is your father, but in your dealings and your relationship with him, do you interact with him as father? Or like I said, or is he just a means to get something? And your quiet time will tell you. Your quiet time is the evidence. When you spend time with him, do you purposely and intentfully do that to spend time with him? Or do you do it to get something from him? And so none of those things are wrong because He is the provider. He is the healer. He is the one who brings wealth. He is the one who brings increase. He is the one who brings anointing. But it's like, that's not what He's looking for. He's looking for us to love Him as a child. I was thinking even as I was preparing for myself, because Pastor Craig's going away more often. And it's so dangerous for me that I spend my time with him as a source of sermons. That Lord, I need another message. It's crazy when you're up here so long. It's like Sunday comes like this, you know? Tomorrow is Sunday again. You're like, well, how did, did that even happen? And so, and then now there's two, there's two services on a Sunday. I've got to prepare two messages per week. And so my whole time with spending with Him can actually just become about getting a message from Him and not actually spending time with Him. And whether you know, it can apply to our business, so we come and we, we spend time with Him to get strategies for business. Or we come and we spend time with Him, I want to get answers for my future. But we're not actually spending time with Him. Say again, what he's looking for is relationship with his sons, with his daughters. That's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus paid the price. That's why his blood was shed. That you would be in relationship with the Father. In my Father's house, my Father's family, there's many places. That's what he's looking for. That's what he paid the price for. So let's not make it about all these things. Let's make it about Him. The one thing. As we sang tonight. I want us to go back to Luke chapter 15 this morning. We, we looked at Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son.
We spoke a lot about the younger son, and we're going to touch on this evening the older son. So in Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read from verse 25 to 31. So um, what has happened, if you weren't here this morning, the prodigal son, the younger son of the father, we know he, he asked for his father's inheritance and he went and he just squandered it. It says he squandered it on prostitutes, on like just crazy living, drinking, whatever it is, fancy clothes. Eventually he ran out of money and he came back to the father's home. And so what the father, when the father saw him, he, he, he reinstated his sonship and he says to his family, says to his household, let's throw a party. Let's, and he says, kill the fattened calf. You know, let's prepare, let's have a celebration, let's have a feast because my son that was lost is now found. He was dead, but he's now alive. And so in verse 25, we, we see the reaction of the older brother. And so it says this in verse 25, now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But listen to verse 28, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father's response, and he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And so the oldest son, positionally, he was in the right place. He was in the father's house. But purposefully, he missed it completely. I'm saying position, he was positioned in the house of the father. But in the father's house, he didn't know, he didn't identify himself as a son. The reason why I say this, if you look in verse 29, this is how he defines himself. See, the, the thing with the younger son is when he, when he sinned and he came back, he, remember he said, let's make me one of your servants. He had that, that servant mentality that they're not good enough. It wasn't just him, it was the older son too. He said, this is, this is, his, this is his argument. This is his, 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 I don't know, things that he says to the fighters. But he answers his says, look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command. He was in the right place as a son, but he was acting like a servant. He was acting like a slave. His entire relationship with the father was based on his works, was based on, on his performance. And so he, he brings these things to the father. He says, look, father, I've, you know, I, never, I wasn't like him. 
I've done all these things. I've served you faithfully. I've obeyed every command. But you never threw a party for me. And so we see the heart of the son is that he seeks to find approval with the father, not by who he is, but by what he does. And so he thinks the more, uh, the more I can do, the more I obey, the more I can serve, the more I can slave myself, the more the Father will be pleased with me. And, and, and that's why we, it brings an understanding to his reaction to the younger brother. It's like this younger brother comes and he's like, it doesn't compute in his mind. He's like, but wait, I've done all these things. You know, I'm faithful. I'm out in the field every day. I'm hitting the ground. I'm planting the seeds. I'm working for you. This guy comes. He's done nothing. In fact, he just took it all and he tore it up in pieces and he went away. And now he's coming back and you're throwing a party for him, but he hasn't done anything. I've done everything and you've done nothing for me. His whole relationship but the father was based on his works. And I love the father's response. He says, you are always with me. Essentially what the father is saying to him is, son, you're missing the point. The celebration is a sign of my heart that I rejoice more in the reestablishment of relationship than I do in the works of a son. And so more than what we can do for him, he just wants us. He just wants you. And we wanna be so careful that we, we don't transition over into this older son mentality, where we think that we can please the Father through our works. So Father, this, this whole week, you know, I woke up earlier and I prayed and I read my Bible. God's really pleased with me this week. I'm in His good books. See, we make it about performance and we measure our relationship with the Father by our performance. I'll show you an interesting scripture. Matthew chapter three, verse seven. Let's read from verse, oh, sorry, 17. Let's read from verse 16. This is the baptism of Jesus, right? And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is the voice of the Father speaking over the Son. This is my beloved Son, listen to this, with whom I am well pleased. How many miracles did Jesus do before this point? 
How many good works did Jesus do to earn the privilege of the Father speaking that over him? Zero. It was only from this point that he began to do the works. It's from this point that he began to do the miracles. And so it gives us, again, the glimpse of the heart of the Father is that we think he finds pleasure in my good works. But he just finds pleasure in you. You wanna know what pleases God? You do. Simply like that. When you come to him, when you talk to him, when you smile, when you laugh, when you do your little idiosyncrasies and twist your hair and do funny things. As a father, I reflect and I look at my daughter and she walks around the house singing and just being herself, you know, doing little things and she plays with the Barbies and she makes up all these stories and she makes up songs. Not trying to do anything for me, not trying to do anything to please me, just being her. That's my pleasure. And this is the Father. And so the risk is that we build our whole Christian walk on good works, trying to please Him. And that we forget that we're actually just His children. That He's not looking for servants. He's just looking for us. He's looking for His sons. He's looking for His daughters. I've shared this before, so some of you might remember been saved, I think, 20 years now, crazy. But probably for the first 10 or 12 years of my walk with God, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I was the older son. And so I got born again, yeah, into this church, I'll show you right over here. This spot here, that's where I was born again. And very quickly, I got put into ministry, a youth leader, worship leader, all these things. And without knowing it, that became my identity. And so I thought I was pleasing God through what I was doing for Him. For years, years and years and years and years. I would serve in the church, whatever there's, you know, there's home style, there's prayer meeting, there's Lloyd, serving the Father because I thought that's what would bring him pleasure. And then for some of you who don't know, Pastor Craig wasn't always the pastor. Yeah, there was a pastor before him, Pastor Dave Phillips. He comes to visit sometimes and he handed the church over to Pastor Craig and, and there was a time of transition in the house and it was a time of transition for me. And so I had, prior to Pastor Craig coming, I had all these profiles I had all these titles that are of you know, what I did in the Father's house. 
like I said, unknowingly at the time, I'd let them define me. And when Pastor Craig came, it's like he came with a worship leader. And in that moment, it's like I felt, like that expression, the rug pulled out from under your feet. And I wasn't the worship leader anymore. And I wasn't this leader and I wasn't that leader. And all the titles were stripped away. And it was like, for me, and, and, and I reflect back, that was probably the hardest time I've ever experienced in my Christian walk, but it's the best time. It was the most fruitful time I've ever experienced. When the Father just pruned, and he pruned, and he literally, God took everything away. Everything. I remember Pastor Craig used to have these meetings, re-engineering meetings, and like, he's inviting all these young guys but I wasn't being invited. And I was like, what's, what's, and I began to question, what have I done wrong? And the father just kept on pulling it, kept on pulling it, kept on pulling it. And eventually I found it's like, who are you? And he had to start again from the beginning. He said, Lord, you're not all those things, you're a son. And it was, it was in that time, in that, in that time of transition where I had probably one of the most amazing encounters with God. And I, I think I might have shared this as well. Is if you don't know me, I, I didn't grow up with a father. My father passed away when I was two years old. And so I was, back in the day when I still had Facebook. <laughs> I've been on Facebook for like, I don't know how long. Anyway, so it was Father's Day. And so... Um, I was just scrolling through Facebook. You know, like on Father's Day, people were posting pictures with their father. And so there's a the guy, like his father, and they went fishing, you know. <laughs> there's a the guy with the father, and they went like off-roading or whatever, you know. And so all these people were posting pictures with their fathers. And in my, cause I never experienced that. And so I thought to myself, I wonder what that's like. You know, just, it was a passing thought, and I, and I left it there. And it was probably two days later, I was in, just spending time with the Lord, and he started bringing these, these, these pictures to my head. And it was moments in my life where there was no one, but in my mind, I now saw him there. So like my matric farewell, there I was in my suit, and there was, and it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's not his face, but it's just the way he revealed himself. He was like this old, it's like a chubby man with a gray beard, you know. And he was standing next to me in the photo. And then it was, I remember like my first serious girlfriend, when, when, he, when we broke up, uh, there he was in the moment, standing with all these milestones in my life. And, and, and it was in that moment that he spoke to me and he said, I'm proud of the man that you've become. But he had to take everything away first so that I could learn who he was and who I was. And so he began to build on that. On you're a son, you're not a servant. And it was from that moment when I got it, that's when he began to restore. So one day Pastor Craig's like, hey, Lord, we have these meetings called re-enduring. I don't know why I never invited you. <laughs> 
come. And slowly, God began to restore responsibility. That today I even work here. Lovely friends, Anita, Anthony, Lauren's not here. And Michelle, there we go. And he rebuilt, but he rebuilt upon the proper foundation. And so, what is your identity this evening? How would you, in all honesty, how do you define your relationship with the Father? Your relationship with Him. Is it as Father? Or are you acting like a servant? Are you acting like a slave? If your relationship isn't as a child, I encourage you to go back to the drawing board. See, those things, they, they had so much value to me. I remember when, when Caleb came in, I was so jealous. It's like, I'm the worship leader. Oh, I've got an amazing voice. And I hear him play and hear him sing. I'm like, oh, shucks, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so insecure holding on to these titles and these, these things that I get to do. And, and I look at myself today and it's like, if he takes it, I'm like, <laughs> it's like, it, it's, and it's weird because I know it's something he's asked me to do. But if he, if he said, stop doing it today, I would stop. The position, the title, the things that I get to do, it's just, well, <laughs> it doesn't have that hold on me anymore. And so I encourage you, just, just examine yourself. Examine your heart. Who are you to Him? Because what He wants you to be is a child. And then all these things will be added. Don't seek the things before you seek the Father. Seek the Father. Seek relationship with Him. And he will do what is right. He will do what is just. So let me pray. Father, we just, we thank you for your heart. We thank you for your love toward us, Lord. We thank you for this amazing privilege of being called your children, sons and daughters of the Most High God. And Father, we thank you that you would just reveal like right now, Father, in this moment, by your spirit of truth, that you would reveal anything that we've put before relationship with you. Whether that is ministry, whether it is title, whether it is being a servant, whether whatever it is, or whether it's an idol, whether it's just being so self-focused on what we want and what we desire. Father, I ask that you would reveal those things to us right now and that you would impart grace in this moment to make the main thing the main thing, to make the one thing the one thing. To love you 
and to be loved by you. As a child to a father. Lord, because we know that's what you want. Help us to make that what we want to, Father. And so, Father, I thank you that you say in Galatians, you've given us the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. And Lord, I pray that that would be our heart's cry to you. Abba, Abba, Father. The one we seek, the one we desire. Just you, God, just relationship with you. That we wouldn't pursue anything else, but just you. And that we'd be content in that, Father. So the Father's in the room and it's just so evident. And I don't want to rush. And so just take this moment, let the Father speak to you. If it's scriptures that come to your mind, open your Bible, read them. Let him affirm your sonship. Let him affirm your daughtership. Let him affirm who you are and what he means to you. And so, Father, we thank you for the spirit of truth right now to minister to your people. We say, come, spirit of truth, come, Holy Spirit. I encourage you, engage, engage, engage. Don't zone out, engage. The Father speak to you. Let him realign. Let him reconnect. Let him sort those things out. Thank you, Father. Father, love you. Let him embrace you. Let him affirm who you are.
Thank you, Lord. As the father to the fatherless. Maybe you're sitting here, it's not like me, you never had a father. He's the father to the fatherless. He's your father. Father, reveal yourself more, Lord. Father to the fatherless. Oh, that you would bring healing to brokenness where there's been absence of a father. That you would restore, that you would make whole. That you would bring joy, that you would bring life. you would fill the void, Father. Or that there would be no more brokenness, no more hurt, no more shame, no more sorrow, no more questioning. You're the Father who fills all things in all. The Father to the fatherless. And we say, come, Father. Come in full. Come in love. Come and breathe. Welcome you in this place. We welcome you, Father.